You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It's great to have you. It's November 25th. This is the last show for November. The next one you're getting is December. And you know what holiday comes in December, right? Right? The most commercial of all holidays. That's right. Christmas. Um... Last year, I planned a horrific holiday special, and I'm sort of working on something along those lines this year as well. So hopefully, hopefully it'll turn out just as good. I think last year's was amazing. If you haven't heard it yet, certainly go back and check it out. But this December, I actually have five episodes to deliver, not four. And that's actually happened a lot this year, to be honest, and I'm sure it happens a lot every year. I just noticed it this year more, I suppose. Um... So I'm going to do a holiday episode, and then I'm going to do a New Year's episode, which I'm hoping is going to be uh, entertaining as well, sort of kicking off the New Year, so to speak, on the 30th. Um, but yeah, that is assuming that we're all not dead because of the Mayan calendar ending, right? <laughs> all right, well, I do have a great show for you this week, and there's a couple things that I wanted to touch on. Um, really exciting personal achievements here. Uh, a while ago... I sent in my active member application to the uh, Church of Satan, and I had just recently received it back with an elevation, and I just want to say thank you very much for that to uh, the hierarchy and uh, Magus Peter H. Gilmore and Magistra Paganodramia. I really do appreciate uh, your confidence, and, you know, this show is sort of my, uh, my expression of that gratitude and uh, the passion I have for Satanism, uh, what it really is, not not what the world wants it to be or tries to make it so that they can have that bad guy. Um, so thank you very much for that. It is truly, truly appreciated. And wah, 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 my pumpkin ale. Okay, so I, <laughs> I checked the, the gravity today and I siphoned it into my secondary and it's going to be a little closer to pumpkin near beer. I did not have enough sugars. The, the way you get, um, the way you get an alcohol content when you're fermenting beer is the yeast will eat up sugars. And that's what create, the more sugar you have and the more yeast eats up the sugar, the more alcohol you have. So I didn't have enough, I, I kind of knew it going into it. Like I had this itchy feeling. I, I first tested my gravity and it was only a three. Um, so I think I'm going to be closer to a two or a one percent alcohol content in this beer and I don't really know if it's even going to taste good to be honest I, I haven't dared taste it yet so this weekend I'm going to be bottling it this coming up weekend and so I'll try it then and I'll see if it has any decent uh, base flavor but what it did do for me is inform me uh, how to make a better ale next year a better pumpkin ale next year when our pumpkins are, are uh, grown up in our garden so, much more sugars, and I'm going to be using malt 
in order to provide that sugar and um, probably a lot more spices. Like I, I thought I put in enough, but when I siphoned it, I didn't really sense any. And granted, I do have a bit of a cold. So if you're going to you know, hear me sniffling and snorting, sorry about that. But um, yeah, I, I can't really smell <laughs> the way I normally do, which is even, to be honest, kind of hindered because, uh, um, well, I don't really know why. <laughs> I just, I don't know if it's my asthma or what, but I, I have a bad sense of smell. And um, yeah, so, you know, you always, this is the real, real wonder of, of recipes and doing things on your own and sort of refining when you're homebrewing is that you start from a, an educated position of um, educated guesswork, as it were, and then you refine that recipe. So it'll take two or three times maybe to perfect it, but when you do, look out, baby, it's going to be badass. And so I'm really, really looking forward to next year's pumpkin ale. And you know what? Let's just touch on it really quick. Thanksgiving happened, right? Yeah, Black Friday happened. That was a day. <laughs> I stayed home. <laughs> I, and here's the thing. like I When I was in college, I was really into this uh, Adbusters magazine which created this some this this sort of movement that's taken off a little bit more called Buy Nothing Day. I have since not really been involved at I mean I was never involved in it, but I liked the ideology that that magazine pushed, which was sort of um, anti-consumerism. I, I appreciate that 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 sort of mindset. So when they applied it to Buy Nothing Day, I was behind it, but. There's a practical side of things. So I didn't actually go out, but I did spend money. So, eh, I'm a sinner. Sue me. <laughs> you sort of knew that going into this. Uh, so, you know, buy nothing day for me was sitting home and <laughs> re-upping my um, uh, host plan <laughs> for my website and stuff. And spending a lot... I had a lot of time with my family. And actually, like I said last week, my, my son's birthday... Um, we celebrated it this week, and this Saturday, I was knee-deep in, like, seven kids, and we, like, went to this sort of, I don't know if you, like, a fun zone or something like that, like, we played laser tag and did some mini golf and a bunch of arcade and stuff, but watching other people's kids, you know, I'm talking to, like, like, 10 to 12 age range, is a freaking nightmare, like, <laughs> If you're watching your own kid, you sort of know what's, you know, what's going to come of that. You, you know, their quirks and their behaviors. And, you know, if, if you do this, what they're going to do. If you don't do that, what they're going to do. So you don't know that with other kids. <clears throat> and, and what you don't really take into account is that any, any emotional state when kids are together is amplified. Happiness is oversaturated happiness. Sadness or, or, uh, disgruntled natures, uh, it just doubles down on everything. So you really have to be prepared as an adult if you're going to take kids to these sort of you know, businesses that sort of, you know, like sort of indoor amusement parks or something like that. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. But the kids had a blast, and that was the point. So, you know, I mean, for them, they didn't notice anything different. They just went and had a really great time and and everything but a little achievement that I want to mark out of all of uh, the participants in that laser tag I got the high score that's right I beat every one of those 10 year olds and I beat them down hard <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of that. So shut up. I played, <laughs> I played a, a multiplayer Halo 4 with my kids, and they whipped my butt. <laughs> the 11-year-old, the 10-year-old, they kicked my butt in this game, and I, I mean, they were just camping my spawn point. I didn't know what to do. So, uh, you know, I just stopped playing, but in real life, oh yeah, my military training kicked in. I was like, <laughs> I was like SWAT team going, I was like a, a army soldier in Pakistan, busting down doors, peeking around corners, using cover. It was a lot of fun, actually, uh, <laughs> and surprisingly, it took a lot more out of me than I expected. But like the whole time, you know, I'm sort of protecting my daughter, <laughs> who is much younger than the other kids, and so I didn't want her to sort of be the, the point score person you know people just walk up to her and shoot her so i started defending her half the time and my wife defended her the other half and we were just running around but it, it ended up being this really really fun activity of uh uh taking me back to the the fun parts of what it means to be in the military is you know the training um anyway it, it was a good time i had a lot of a lot of fun and my kid loved it so he had a really good birthday so that's you know mission accomplished woohoo and then the last thing I want to touch on before we jump into the show is the next episode of Nine Cents Presents Satanists on Satanic Cinema. It's here, the Ninth Gate. I sat down with Satanist Storm and Satanist J.R. Tarina, two Utah Devils, and we watched The Ninth Gate, which is an amazing film. And the track that came out of that, I think, is fantastic. It, it's absolutely superb. So I've got the trailer on uh, the social networking sites, or you can just visit satanistonsatanicsinema.com. Check it out there, or the Nine Cents Podcast YouTube channel actually has it there as well. So check it out. If it looks like something you're interested in, if you like those two gentlemen, why wouldn't you? And if you like the movie, you must, then pick it up. It's 99 cents at Google Play, Amazon MP3, or CD Baby, and iTunes actually hasn't propagated it. As of yet, so it's not available there yet. And when it is, it's still going to be a little bit higher at $1.99 because iTunes is uh, shit. But, you know, got to deal with it. Okay, so let's talk about the show, shall we? And The Devil's Advocate, this article I actually saw on a social networking site, and I love it, and I want to talk about it. Encouraging Magical Concepts by Lydia Cage. I'm sorry, Gage. And this is actually on the Church of Satan website in theory and practice. And an Infernal Informant, Our View. GOP preemptive attack on Susan Rice misfires, and we're living the dream, we just don't realize it. In the Creature Feature, Deep Six Radio is back, baby, back at Radio Free Satan. So Deep Six Radio took a hiatus because the DJ, Matt Ingram, really great guy, had some things he had to deal with in real life. He's coming back, and he's coming back with an old friend. And I sat down with these two guys, and I chatted at him up for a little bit. And yeah, we talked a little bit about Deep Six Radio, and we talked a little bit about Million Empire, and I'm going to give you a song that they gave to me. Um, it's actually really good. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I expected, to be quite honest. But whenever someone says, oh, I was in a band, you sort of had that garage band thought in your head. But these guys are really good, and Million Empire is a real band. It's not a garage band. So check out this uh, track, and it may open you up to interest in other areas as well. Um, but anyway, it was it was a fun interview, just talking, you know, what the the new show is going to be about a little bit, but mainly just to let you know that Deep Six is back, and it's coming very, very soon. So look for that in the very last, and that's going to do it. So let's go ahead and jump into The Devil's Advocate with Encouraging Magical Concepts by Lydia Gage. I said it right this time, now.
So why bother? How you done? Great. Let's cut the bullshit and get real. Why this purity you feel about evil? For Christ's sake, why? They don't lie to me. I guess, Father. You gotta feel that old nick in your soul. And it becomes clear. Like it did for me. The first time. That's when I realized my one true calling in life. And what's that? Shit, man. <laughs> I'm a born devil's advocate. Welcome to the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm an active member in the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. Encouraging Magical Concepts by Lydia Gage. Reprinted from the Fall Winter 30 issue of Satanic Parenting. Children love magic. Who can't remember using magical wands and goofy nonsense words to invoke one's will as a child? I certainly can, and would bet most people, especially Satanists, tinkered with magic as a child. Or at least, what they thought were magical concepts gleaned eagerly from various mediums. Why wouldn't we have naturally taken a shot at calling forth whatever magical powers that be to attain our truest wishes? You want something and don't have it, you perform a ritual or spell and get it. Simple. Of course, as children, we usually had to pretend to see our results, and our magical methods as well. Sometimes, perhaps. But as adults, we understand the roots of our magical desires, the psychology and methodology of magic. And we can now apply all of these to attain our will effectively, more so, I'd venture, than the concentration of our youthful fickleness would have allowed. But perhaps not always, for the power of magic springs from our strongest desires, dreams, goals, wishes, not methodological knowledge and intellect, seeing as how one of our major components of magic is mental projection, imagery. One can begin to understand how a child's imagination, plus desire, makes the perfect breeding ground for basic magical skills. This article, or this essay, goes on to speak to her teaching magic to her daughter, and how it enriches her daughter's life, and even how her daughter sees magic in acts such as... Uh, specifically in this article, uh, folding clothes as a ritual so that her mother will give her candy. I mean, her, her whole point of the magical ritual was to get candy, and it worked. So the, the, the visual, visualization and execution of that ritual is very much situation-dependent, as is in real life, and up to the eye of the beholder. <clears throat> So when you're actually changing the world around you in accordance of your own will, practicing actual greater magic, it's not always as obvious as some people may think it could be. Or should, I'm going to argue. So we've talked, I've had two greater magic episodes on this podcast. I've talked <laughs> thoroughly about uh, what it means in theory and practice uh, to be a, an actual practitioner of magic and what magic itself means. And yes, yes, I'm a grown-ass man and I believe in greater magic. And it's because the Satanist 
realizes what it really is. And it is you influencing the world around you, having greater focus, and making that which would not normally happen, happen. Now, maybe it's just a way to sharpen your own will and provide a path for you to walk, but it is still doing what it speaks to doing. I have kids, and my children really love this concept of, of magic in the world. And actually, I was talking to another gentleman online a little while ago about uh, uh, this time of year specifically, um, so that uh, the holidays or Christmas or uh, whatever you want to call it. Okay, I'm just going to call it Christmas for simplicity here. And because that's sort of the, you know, the, um, the society, the culture that I grew up in. Um, so th the idea of Santa, it's, it's a powerful, powerful idea. And it really grounds children in this idea of, of what magic means. So the goal is to get this magical creature to give you what you want. In order to do that, there's a bit of a ritual that we go through, and that is the visiting of Santa and asking him, but there's more. You have to not only really truly want what you're asking for, but it has to be something that could logically be received. So you can't ask for Israel and Palestine to have peace, for example, because, let's be honest, that ain't gonna fucking happen, and <laughs> even more so, my kids would never ask for it. Much more interested in, in physical toys. And what's wrong with that? Enjoying what's immediately for you. Uh, my son is a huge fan of weapons, swords, guns, knives, slingshots, stuff like that. And so I'm sure his, he's gonna envision whatever object, whatever new weapon he wants. And he's going to focus on that for months. I remember doing this as a kid. I would look through magazines, JCPenney and Sears, and just look at the entire toy section. And let's be quite honest, sometimes the uh, lingerie section. <clears throat> I'm a guy after all, even as a kid. Uh, but I would look at this and just desire it. I, I, I would dream it. I would, I would think incessantly about having these things. And the, the magic of it is that process of knowing that in one night in, of the year, this creature will give me what I want because I demand it from him. And I can ensure that my ritual of request and receive happens by acting a certain way as expected by society in order to get it. And it works like a charm. Now, this is a great ritual just for every single kid. And there's this, this understanding of magic that if you are not encouraged as a kid is going to be really, I think, challenging as an adult. <clears throat> and that's why, in my opinion, kids who are um, in any religious dogmatic uh, environment will take to it more kindly than others. Because there are, I mean, all religion really forces this sort of um, uh, imagination and, and fear and um, desire upon you or the or the hiding of your desire but at its core it teaches you ritual all of it so as bad or as damaging as it can be on the psyche it also sort of lays that groundwork for for greater magic and 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 the realization of what it is for an older mind in order to accept 
if you you may not get that if your base is hardcore atheist it may be a little more challenging for you to overcome that hurdle of of imagination uh, not every human being has it <laughs> let's be honest so for my kids i encourage the dreaming i encourage the ritual and we start to create our own rituals um, and obviously there there are our own as in you know we exercise them in our own way but you know we have uh, holiday movies that we watch ritualistically and it creates a bond in the family which reinforces that that sense of doing what you're supposed to do in order for that ritual to take hold of getting what you want when Santa comes um, uh, and it's not just in this time of year I mean we do the same exact thing with Tooth Fairy for example uh, the Easter Bunny we strip away all of the religious bullshit and we just focus on this idea of of getting something that will make you active in your environment in the world around you uh, so it's always sports or it's always uh, just outdoor activity related skates or something like that that they receive as a gift but it's something to encourage their activity outdoors not inside and that's sort of what that holiday for us means um, and then Valentine's is a really really great one even as kids it's a really great one because they may not understand now what it means uh, for a lust ritual but if you lay that groundwork of uh, love affection tenderness with children then that will fester in the <laughs> fester great word into their minds so when they are interested in the same or opposite sex that they have that frame of affection to go off of and that ritual of handcrafting these cards of of love and sending it off and getting in return a response that they want you know these are all small rituals and if you're a parent it's important that you see these and you really seize hold of that opportunity because you're laying the groundwork for a very healthy and very uh, centered mindset for a child which is important for any adult to have and then if you're not a parent see them as what they are individual rituals that you can use outside of the decompression chamber to get what you want in the world now you could be working it for yourself um, sh honing your skills as a greater magi magician or you could be working it in a relationship or just with your family depending on your age and maturity level so this article for me brought out that idea of using holidays as groundwork and um, preparation for future ritual and the understanding of greater magic and uh, I love it I think it's amazing and I think Lydia Gage I, I didn't even know there was a satanic parenting zine or magazine or anything to be quite honest until I saw this article and I actually saw this on a, a social networking site so thank you guys so much this was a lot of fun for me and if you haven't read it go to churchsane.com theory and practice encouraging magical concepts read it for yourself because it is a good essay and it'll speak a little bit differently to you than it did for to me and I'm sure you're gonna pick up something amazing from it let's go ahead and move over to the infernal informant listen up listen up hey okay, out there good news there's no devil bad news no heaven Nothing to see. I'm your fellow informant. This is the USA Today.com. 
I can't say that with a straight face. Yes, I'm getting this article from USA Today. They might have one good editor here, <laughs> so bear with USA Today. All right, our view. GOP preemptive attack on Susan Rice misfires. Vow to block nomination is premature and misguided. And this is the 25 November. Fresh off an election in which they lost the presidential race and seats in both chambers of Congress, Republicans are already busy trying to torpedo a nomination that hasn't even been made. Last week, Republican Senators Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and John McCain of Arizona vowed to block confirmation of UN Ambassador Susan Rice if she's tapped to succeed Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. Not to be outdone, nearly 100 House Republicans, led by Republican, I'm sorry, Rep <clears throat> Representative Jeff Duncan. Uh, have I mentioned I'm sick? Just letting you know again, I'm, I'm going to do my damnedest here. But I'm also enjoying this amazing beer I just made, a multi-grain red rye. I didn't, I'd never made it before, and so I didn't really know what to expect. This is a bit sidetracked here. But uh, it is, it has this brightness that my Pilsner has. Uh, it, it's easy to go down, it's really smooth, but when this rolls on the back of your tongue, it it's like has these fingers that just claw into the sides of your tongue and just sort of holds on for a second. It's that great, great flavor, just full-bodied flavor of a of a, a, a much darker beer than it is. This is sort of a rich red, um, really, really nice, clear beer. It goes well with everything especially this podcast so i'm doing my best here right let's up all right so if she's tapped to succeed hillary clinton the secretary of state not to be outdone nearly 100 house republicans led by representative i did it right this time jeff duncan of south carolina signed a letter charging that a rice nomination would undermine u.s credibility abroad i love the hyperbole their complaint misleading comments rice made 10 weeks ago on Sunday talk shows about the terrorist attack in Benghazi, Libya, that killed U.S. Ambassador Christopher Stevens and three other Americans. Uh, it's funny, because they don't mention the uh, the local nationals that were murdered trying to save, the local national Libyans that were murdered trying to save the ambassador's lives. I wonder why that is. Working from talking points put together by intelligence officials and later edited by others, Rice peddled the story that the attack sprang from a spontaneous protest spurred by an anti-Muslim video produced by an American. That account turned out to be wrong, but it's hardly reason to block Rice's potential nomination. After all, if misleading comments based on flawed intelligence were disqualifying, Colin Powell would have been forced to resign as George W. Bush's Secretary of State and Condoleezza Rice would never have succeeded Powell. Powell's powerful speech before the United Nations in 2003, proclaiming proof of Iraq's weapons of mass destruction, helped push the United States into a misguided war. Condoleezza Rice also touted the storyline about Iraq's supposed nuclear program, warning on CNN that we don't want the smoking gun to be a mushroom cloud. No such weapons were found, because they didn't exist. Susan Rice's comments about events in Benghazi are at best a sideshow. Instead of obsessing about what she said on TV after the tragedy, lawyers ought to be more concerned, <clears throat> lawmakers, about finding out what went wrong to prevent a repeat. Why weren't security warnings heeded and requests for more protection granted? As UN ambassador, Rice most likely had zero involvement with those decisions. 
If President Obama does nominate Rice to be a Secretary of State, his choice deserves wide latitude, and the focus of the Senate confirmation process properly belongs on her experience and temperament. On both, there's plenty to consider. Rice has had a long career in foreign policy, starting in 1993 as a staffer on the Clinton administration's National Security Council and rising quickly. In 2009, she became Obama's UN ambassador. In 2011, she lobbied successfully to push NATO to intervene in the civil war in Libya. The rap against Rice is a blunt style and sometimes a foul mouth. While the nation's top diplomat must be tough, he or she must be able to charm as well as bully. Rice's defenders are running a little hot, too. Rice is African-American, and Representative James Clyburn, DSC, Democrat, South Carolina, accused Rice's critics of uh, using racist code words against her. Going after a black woman certainly seems tone-deaf for Republicans after their dismissal support for women and minorities in the election. But that's no evidence of racism, and Rice's defenders ought to be more clear careful before hurling this toxic charge. On Sunday, McCain softened his line a bit, telling Fox News Sunday that Rice deserves the opportunity to explain her position. She surely does, and if her Republican critics think she's unfit to be the nation's top diplomat, publicly declaring the president to nominate her is a strategy likely to backfire. The reason why I'm bringing this article forward here is because it speaks to what we're going to be experiencing in the coming four years. See... <laughs> either party, okay, Republican or Democrat, doesn't matter. When you are in the minority and the idea of someone coming up as a um, opposite party nominee comes into your mind, you are like a mad dog. You have to come up and just bark and bark even though there's no one on the other side of the door. She hasn't even been nominated yet! And they are preemptively trying to strike her down. Which is funny, because all she did was cite the given information at the time. Even though, ironically, I seem to recall posting that it had nothing to do with um, any video. And it, that was all a manufactured reason. Huh. Okay, well, they're never going to nominate me. <laughs> Quite frankly, I would never even want the job, nor be qualified for it. However... This article does speak to something that I think is very important, and it seems to be something that's forgotten on a lot of hardcore party liners. Diplomacy. Does anyone remember what that word means? I mean, if, if you go by uh, the standard uh, sort of rhetoric that Republicans spout, it's uh, walk tall with a big stick, but that's not dipl diplomacy at all. You have to be able to charm. You have to be able to threaten without looking threatening. Having a big stick doesn't do very well for that. You have to be sly and strong and firm. You have to look unassuming. This is like basic lesser magic 101. I mean, I think every single, <laughs> every single diplomat for the U.S. should read the Satanic Witch. It would serve them you know what, and, and it actually it should be just handed out to any lawmaker as they come into Congress or the Senate or the White House. Because it's going to give them more information on how to influence other human beings and how to get what they want than any, anyone, any of these old farts that have been there for 40 years or more. 
knowing how to influence others' responses is essential in any diplomatic position, certainly as Secretary of State. So rather than focusing on whether it's a woman, rather than focusing on whether this woman's black, rather than focusing on what this woman said based on information that everyone was spouting off on at the time, why don't they focus on whether she's a responsible pick? If she's even gonna be picked! More to the point, why are they focusing on this when we have the famous words fiscal cliff looming on the horizon? How about you stay your ass in the chair and vote on the things that were going to stop us from sort of going over that fiscal cliff rather than arguing on whether a supposed soon-to-be maybe may never be, we don't know, but we're still going to talk about it, Secretary of State nominee is effective or not based on conversations she had with news groups on evidence that was given. As evidence! It's not like she just made it up herself. And again, this is not just the Republicans that do this. Uh, Democrats do this as much. It's, it's sort of this game that we play. But it's never effective. And it just makes the, the, the minority party look like douchebags. And it's crazy because they think that they're really just standing up for the little man and, and, and giving a voice to those with no voice. But really, they're just playing politics in the most disgusting of ways. And everyone sees it but them. It's unbelievable. And we never really decide to do anything about it either. Politics, you gotta love it. You have to love it. Because it's absurd, it's irrational, and it, it just really puts grown-ass people into that kindergarten sandbox. And they're just tossed one toy. And everyone's freaking out whose turn it is to play with it and who had it first and who had it longer. And, wow, it's my toy you can't share. Ah! It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, this article brought all that out. <laughs> or it was the multi-grain red rye. Either way, we'll move on. We're living the dream. We just don't realize it. This is by Stephen Johnson. Um, uh, posted uh, Saturday, November 24. And this is actually CNN. Not much better <laughs> than... <laughs> I can't believe USA Today. Not much better than USA Today, but, you know, a little. We finally emerged from the season in which Americans were asked by their pollsters and politicians, are you better off today than you were four years ago? But sometimes it's important to contemplate the question of progress from a longer view. How are we doing on the scale of a generation? To answer that question, let's take this brief quiz. Over the past two decades, we have what the U.S. trends has been for the following important measures of social health. High school dropout rates, college enrollment, juvenile crime, drunken driving, traffic deaths, infant morality, <laughs> mortality, <laughs> infant morality, uh, life expectancy, per capita gasoline consumption, workplace injuries, air pollution, divorce, male-female wage equalities, charitable giving, voter turnout, per capita GDP, and teen pregnancy. The answer for all of them is the same. The trend is positive. Almost all of those varied metrics of social wellness have improved by more than 20% over the past two decades. And that's not counting the myriad of smaller wonders of modern medicine that have improved our quality of life as well as our longevity. 
the antidepressants and insulin pumps and quadruple bypasses. Americans enjoy even longer, healthier lives in more stable families and communities than we did 20 years ago. But other than the crime trends, these facts are rarely reported or shared via word-of-mouth channels. Many Americans, for instance, are convinced that half of all marriages end in divorce, though that hasn't been the case since the early 1980s, when divorce rates peaked at just over 50%. Since then, they have declined by almost a third. This is not merely a story of success in advanced industrial countries. The quality of life and civic health trends in the developing world are even more dramatic. Even though the world's population has doubled over the past 50 years, the percentage living in poverty has declined by 50% over that period. Infant mortality and life expectancy have improved by more than 40% in Latin America since the early 1990s. No country in history has improved its average standard of living faster than China has over the past two decades. Of course, not all the arrows point in a positive direction, particularly after the past few years. The number of Americans living in poverty has increased over the past decade after a long period of decline. Wealth inequalities has returned to levels last seen in the Roaring Twenties. Today, the U.S. unemployment rate is still just under 8%, higher than its average, about two decades. Household debt soared over the past 20 years, though it has dipped slightly thanks to the credit crunch of the last few years. And while the story of water and air pollution over that period is a triumphant one, the long-term trends, trends for global warming remain bleak we are much more likely to hear about these negative trends than the positive ones for two primary reasons. First, we tend to assume that innovation and progress come from big technology breakthroughs, from new gadgets and communications technologies, most of them created by the private sector. But the positive trends in our social health are coming from a more complex network of forces, from government intervention, public service announcements, demographic changes, the shared wisdom of life experience passed along through generations, and the positive effects of rising affluence. The emphasis on private sector progress is no accident. It is a specific outcome of the way public opinion is shaped within the current media landscape. The public sector doesn't have billions of dollars to spend on marketing campaigns to trumpet its successes. A multinational corporation invents a slightly better detergent, and it will spend a legitimate fortune to alert the world that that product is now new and improved. But no one takes time out of a primetime ad campaign to tout the remarkable decrease in air pollution that we have seen over the last few decades, even though the success story is far more important than a trivial improvement in laundry soap. That blind spot is compounded by deeper lack of interest in stories of incremental progress. Curmudgeons, doomsayers, utopians, and declinists all have an easier time getting our attention than opinion leaders who want to celebrate slow and steady improvement. The most striking example of this can be seen in the second half of the 1990s, a period in which both economic and social trends were decisively upbeat. The stock market was surging, but inequality was in fact on the decline. Crime, drug use, welfare dependency, poverty, all were trending in an encouraging direction. With a Democrat in the White House, you might assume that the uh, op-ed pages of the Washington Post would be bursting with pride over in the state of the nation, given the paper's center-left leanings. But you would be wrong. Over the course of 1997, in the middle of the greatest peacetime economic boom in U.S. history, 
and before the Monica Lewinsky scandal broke out, 71% of all editorials published in the Post that expressed an opinion on some aspect of the country's current state focused on a negative trend. Less than 5% of the total number of editorials concentrated on a positive development. Even the boom years are a bummer. I suspect in the long run the media biased against incremental progress may be more damaging than any bias the media displays toward the political left or right. The media are heavily biased toward extreme events, and they are slightly biased toward negative events. Though in their defense, that bias may just be a reflection of the human brain's propensity to focus more on negative information than positive, a trait extensively documented by neuroscience and psychology studies. The one positive social trend that did generate a significant amount of coverage, the extraordinary drop in the U.S. crime rate since the mid-90s, seems to have been roundly ignored by the general public. The violent crime rate, crimes per thousand people, dropped from 51% to 15 between 1995 and 2010. Truly one of the most inspiring stories of societal progress in our lifetime. And yet, according to a series of Gallup polls conducted over the past 10 years, more than two-thirds of Americans believe that crime has been getting worse year after year. Whether these biases come from media distortions or our human psychology, they result in two fundamental errors in the popular mind. We underestimate the amount of steady progress that continues around us, and we misunderstand where that progress comes from. We should celebrate these stories of progress, not so we can rest on our laurels, but instead so we can inspire the next generation to build on that success. I actually really love this article for a couple of reasons. Um, you always get doomsayers in life. You always get people who, who always say, you know, that we are in the worst situation that we've ever been, and you certainly get bombarded from cable news uh, stations regardless of their, their outlook. Uh, radio news personalities as well. It's always horrible and dooming. But we have to realize, as a human culture worldwide culture uh there are pockets of craziness but we are really moving forward as a species and as a satanist i have to be able to take a step back and really appreciate that really really cheer that because that means we're going to be moving slowly but steadily away from dogmatic religion we're going to be moving slowly and steadily away from party line thinking. We are going to be progressive as a species. We're going to objectively, in time, as we have, objectively look at behaviors in society and decide logically which ones are norms and which ones are not. And based on the benefit of that society, make those changes. And yes, it's slow. And yes, you don't see it on a daily basis, but whenever you hear those doomsdayers, whenever you hear those conspiracy theorists talking about how martial law is going to come into play or about how we're all going to be made slaves, take a step back, take a deep breath, look at it from that incredibly important third perspective and realize we are getting better as a species, not worse. And these insane rantings 
though are fun, are just that. Not serious, fun. And the real threats are going to be you losing control of your life. So you have to be active and conscious in your life. Don't be batted around. Practice lesser magic. If you need it, practice greater magic. Be dominant in your life. And don't let those doomsayers get you down. Because it's just talk. We are getting better. Not because of some greater Eastern philosophy need to get better, but just because as a society, we're learning what makes us tick, and we're learning what benefits us. And it's only logical that we would go with what makes us better. And, <laughs> and I love it because it means it's more secular. Um, it's less crazy. And if you're able to have that third perspective, it's pretty damn good. All right, and that's all I want to talk to you. Let's go ahead and, pardon me, I'm going to toss in a few commercials and then we're going to go into uh, Creature Feature. See you there. Hello, my name's Dave Ingram. And I'm Donovan. And we are Metal Breakfast Radio. Inviting you to join us with a few beers each week. For a dose of metal scrutiny. Some verbal skullduggery. And a hell of a lot of rubbish. Rubbish! Find us on metalbreakfastradio.com, darksentinel.dk, and radiofreesatan.com. are different than cats and hey what if jack nicholson were hey what if we are the world was sung by the cast of friends i think it might go something like this hi everyone i'm jay leno anyone remember when i was funny eat doritos ladies and gentlemen dane cook are you fed up with comedy that's made for the masses sick of stand-up comedian hacks with the same old routines that you've heard a thousand times before Equally tired of shock jocks who equate loudness with laughter? Hello, my name is Reverend Bill M., creator and host of The Devil's Mischief, a show where every week I present a new hour of comedy and novelty of devilish proportions. So tune in to The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com or radiofreesatan.com to download the latest podcast. The Devil's Mischief, carnal comedy clips and netherworld novelty numbers simply not made for the masses. Oh, God. No. Just me. <laughs> Did you know that after the heart stops beating, the brain can function for well over seven minutes? We got six more minutes to play. <laughs> Why are you screaming when I haven't even cut you yet? Welcome. The Creature Feature. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I'm being joined by Andy and Matt, hosts of the new Deep Six Radio. Hello! Hello. <laughs> so, gentlemen, uh, Deep Six Radio went on hiatus for a little while. A real world matters had to be attended to. But you're back, and you're back with the buddy, right, Matt? So you want to talk to us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, it's, well, Deep Six, I wouldn't say it got stale for me. Uh, it just got um, too much with the family, uh, and I needed uh, an extra pair of hands to come on board. I've only um, got one hand, though. That's the only problem. <laughs> yeah, we call him Captain Hook. Yeah, Captain <laughs> Hook, yeah. I need to go to the second-hand shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's pretty much how it's going to carry on, yeah, sorry. Don't, don't expect anything better than that from us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the point was, I just wanted, I wanted, to, I wanted to redo it, but I wanted to come back with something a little bit different. And uh, originally, me and Andy were going to do a podcast called Sub-Zero. Oh, going back a couple of years now, what, isn't it, mate? Uh, last year, I think, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it lasted uh, well, ages. It yeah. was really good. It went on for one, one episode. One episode, one episode. So, well, I mean, uh, let's be honest. How many people are going to really listen to a fan podcast about uh, Mortal Kombat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Finish him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, that was, that was the, um, the battle episodes that I was doing on Deep Sixes, getting, trying to get friends in. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what we're going to try and do this time. Is get some of uh, our other friends in. Because what thirty four, thirty three, thirty two years? What we've known each other, me and you, something like that. Yeah, we're yeah. actually uh, yeah, I'm only thirty two, but yeah, I've known you thirty four years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nice pre womb, like your your parents' sperm were like hanging. Matt used to, Matt used to be my hairdresser, basically. <laughs> lost all my hair, so we lost t- contact for a bit. Um, <laughs> and now, like we see each other, it's just like the good old days, really. Uh, you know, I'm Bald Eagle and the Red Fox. That's what <laughs> <I'm doing. laughs> very nice, very <laughs> nice. So, I mean, are there issues that you think are going to be coming up, or or have you sort of looked at this before? I mean, you obviously have a good repertoire back and forth, uh, but certainly having someone else sitting on on the podcast with you has got to be. I mean, one, you got to work around new schedules. Uh, you can't just do it whenever you're able to do it. You have to sort of um, make sure that. There's, uh, you know, just this this good. Uh, we need to make sure there's pizza in pizza and cider. cider. Then we're, then we're okay. two, two main things. Definitely. As long as we've got that in, then we're going to have a good time, uh, and it's going to be fun. But the uh, the podcast is only going out once a month now. Um, I mean, just due to obviously Andy's yeah. commitments. We have fourteen kids between us. Sweet hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have one that I know of. Um, yeah, I know of. The rest are. Uh, just hanging yeah. out in the orphanage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so well, once a month, isn't it? Doing it, and I then think so, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but mate, it's 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 many, many excuses to come and sit and listen to each other's music and generally take the piss out of each other and get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, I used to do anyway, but with podcasts so now it's uh, it's official. We can give our other halves an excuse while we get out of the house, basically. Hell yeah. yeah. yeah that's the point. How is Clive, mate? Clive. Yeah. yeah. He's alright. <laughs> Oh, that's a joke. So, and he's not gay. He just he just looks he just looks he just likes to look. <laughs> he, he just looks gay. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the cock in the mouth, isn't it? That's a dead giveaway. It's the dribbling <laughs> down the chin, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what about the format of the show? So you've got two gentlemen gentlemen going mad at you know, listening to music. Well I mean, is is it still gonna be the same type of music, the genres? I mean the underground bands and the unsigned bands are still there. Uh, they, they're still going to be the six, uh, and as opposed to Idris basically writing them, it's going to be us writing the bands and saying what we like and what we don't like about them. But this time, I mean, before previously, it was mainly rock and metal that was was coming through. So I'm doing some uh, some real real legwork and contacting a lot of record companies, oh, wow. trying, yeah. to, trying to get myself on a subscription list. So can, but it's absolutely everything. Uh, I mean, Abba, Abba, um, uh, yeah. reggae. What? 
<laughs> no, so every every time swing, it's only, you know, uh, nothing wrong with swing. We got one guy coming in just playing the spoons on his knee. Uh, <laughs> we actually um, assembled a whole uh, orchestra of uh, farts, basically people <laughs> farting and burping. Um, this is like the got- Trans-Siberian Orchestra with gas. Basically, yes, they, that's what they call actually the gas orchestra. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get one of those guys with like that little Snoopy rubber band mouth thing. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's going to be really smell in this room after I think. So that's the only only downside. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Okay, so you guys are planning on getting this out once a month, and it's starting at the end of this month. Uh, end of this month, yeah, end of this month, beginning of December. So, do you guys think that I mean once a month? You have a lot of time there to plan your shows and, and to sort of schedule the podcast itself. Do you think you'll ever ratchet that up to be sooner? Are you just sort of going on in on this thinking that, you know, we'll see how it goes at this pace and then we might, you know, increase it at all? We're kind of like the guns and roses of, um, of uh, podcasts, really. We take forever to do anything. You see. Yeah, five anyway. years from now. Exactly. So yeah. <laughs> when it comes out, it's rubbish. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and then we basically turn up really late, and then you know, call people names, and then fuck off, basically. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So, you guys are—I mean, collectively—you're going to be taking the place of Idris, um, matching them up. Are you going to have guests on the show as well? I mean, is—is is it going to be where where you two are pitted against your guests, or are you going to be pitted against each other? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's something that we've, we've discussed. Um, we were, I mean, we're going to try and get some friends in. I mean, one of the main things, one of the reasons why I wanted to get somebody else, but everybody who's listened to Deep Six from day one knows what type of music that I'm into. And they pretty much will guess from week to week, week in, week out, what I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. Deep Six was always about discovering new bands and new genres and new things. So getting Andy on board with his musical taste, which are, I mean, they are similar, but there's lots of other types of music that he's not yeah, into. Yeah, Matt, Matt listens to some shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We've got similar kind of taste, I guess, but um, we're into different bands, I suppose that's the point. And um, yeah, so we're both quite eclectic with our taste. So disc- disc- discovering new things, plus getting guests on and letting them talk about their music and uh, what they're doing music at the moment, if any room in the band. Um, I mean, one of my the first guests I wanted to get on was actually Paulie, the drummer, Andy's cousin, my old drummer before Andy stole my band. Uh, <laughs> get you back the time you threw a brick at my head. <laughs> Did you mean making this up? No, I remember. <laughs> Drunk that once and you threw a brick at my head. God, we're going back what fifteen years. I'd still remember it, and I've still been looking for a chance to get back at you. <laughs> so you stole my band. Hide the so bricks. I wanna be in this band? I just I just thought I'd steal your band for you from you. For getting you back and throwing a brick at my head. I'm going to send you saying I'd to be in this band. I've got, I've got a big scar on the back of my head because you threw a brick at my head. <laughs> well, it's good to know that you guys have a, a, a healthy history. Oh. I can't stand him, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So, Andy, I mean, do you have a history with with... With with performance music as well. I mean, you guys are talking about you know he stole the you stole the band from uh, from Matt. I mean, are you a little concerned about coming in as a DJ? Is there any reservations? Uh, no, to be honest, I mean, I I've been in bands for you know seventeen eighteen years uh, on and off, um, but with radio, yeah, it is new from new to me. But I don't really care. I just kind of turn up and talk rubbish and you know hope that people are listening. You know. So what's your role in the band? I I sing and play bass. Oh, nice. So Matt, so you did literally take his place. 
Yeah, well, he couldn't sing. I couldn't sing. sing. So uh, I'd like to say that I've took his place and I've improved on it, you know. <laughs> but that, uh, I didn't start singing until he threw a brick at my head. And then, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, it came from that, basically. Well, now, now I wonder if uh, maybe if you tossed a brick at his head, if he would be able to start singing. It's, it's, it might be so, but then he'd probably try to steal something from me. <laughs> Strange enough, it's something I'm not willing to try. No. <laughs> you never know. I mean, it could, it could be a, a career maker move, you know. Matt, if, if I threw a brick at Ted, he'd turn up at my house one day and sort of jump over my back fence and steal my washing, and that's about it, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah so you stole my clothes. I stole your band. There you go. <laughs> nice. So, uh, well, aside from the huge black mark of knowing Matt, what uh, what else can you tell us a little about yourself? About you know your, your past uh, musically. I mean, was it did it predate Million Empire? Was that your first uh, band experience? Recent, actually. We I only joined uh, about a year ago. Oh, nice. Uh, but yeah, no. Before then, I was in pop bands and, and grunge bands and all sorts. Yeah, so it uh, goes a long way back. What inspired you to get into the uh, music industry? Uh, I kind of uh, came across it by accident, really. Um, my friends had a band, and I was around theirs having a few drinks one night, and uh, they were kind of doing a Beatles cover band. Um, and I started singing along in a drunken state, and they asked me to join, and that's kind of how I got into it, really. Nice. <laughs> So they must have been pretty damn impressed with what you were doing. Uh, pretty damn desperate. Pretty drunk. <laughs> Just pretty drunk. So is there anything out there in the ether of uh, your, your early musical days? Uh, well, my last band was called Turn Off The Sun. You could, um, people could have a listen to that. It's if you go to facebook.com slash turn off the sun. See, I'm still in promo mode, you see. <laughs> yeah, no, you gotta be. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's my last band. Um, until I joined, until I stole Matt's band, basically. Yeah. That's a point, though. But are you still toting the, uh, what, the the last demo that we did as your own? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it, Million Empire is that that's still around, right? I mean, you just joined it last year, so is that like an ongoing thing you're trying to promote as well? It is, yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've got two gigs next week, actually. Um, yeah, it's going well. Um, we we kind of we've got more kids between us than any band in history, I think. So. <laughs> to kind of spread out the gigs quite far between and we can't really afford to do much because we're paying for all our kids <laughs> other than going well thank you yeah well very nice and is that going to be something that you're willing to bring on to deep six radio as well as as you know tracks of your current bands to sort of pit against other stuff I'd probably 75 percent of the show is going to be <laughs> <laughs> nice what Oh. Yeah, I just be, I'll just be kind of doing subliminal messages. Man Empire, Man Empire. <laughs> just be, between every single song. Man Empire. Oh, Million Empire. Had some Million Empire chips, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> well, very cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I, I know the original Deep Six Radio was a lot of fun, and I'm sure with uh, another talking head in the show, it'll be, it'll be just, you know, that much better. Right. Yeah, I should be looking forward to it. Great. Alright, well, this is gonna be on RadioFreeSatan.com. Are you guys planning on promoting it anywhere else? Uh, <laughs> I must admit no. <laughs> it's just gonna be it's just gonna be RFS. Um there was talk of another show, uh, another station wanting to syndicate us um a while back. Uh once when, when I finished actually my, my, my ten- <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> nice <No>, subtle <laughs> um but I didn't didn't take them off because they were one of the things they wanted me to do was drop all the uh, basically my affiliation 
an association with the COS. So basically, they told them to go fuck themselves. It was something I would, I'm not, not prepared to do at all. So, and I'm saying, well, well you, don't, you don't come to us as a station. I said, well, not particularly bothered. So, I understand yeah. that. You know, and actually, you know, moving a little bit on here, you've been working on a project, Doctor, for a little bit of time here, and we've I've sort of teased it just by uh, calling it out in different avenues. Is there any movement in that front? Slowly, very, very. It's just. Damn, finding time to sit and do anything. By the time I've got myself sorted from on an evening, sorted out the kids, and it's usually about nine o'clock in the evening, and trying to then physically try and force yourself to pick up your guitar and play. It's mm. it's it's never a, never a, very rock gotta, and roll. Yeah. Very rock and roll. Yeah, that. Gotta, yeah. <laughs> forcing yourself to play is not really good. It's got to be. I've always found it's got to be more more fluid than that. I've got lots of stuff written in my head. There's nothing physically down on paper as such. So. Right, so we got to keep all the bricks away so you can keep it in your head, right? It's still ongoing. There'll be stuff coming out, so. Nice. <laughs> all right, well, I mean, as long as it's an ongoing project, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. And, uh, I mean, also, we just recently collectively put out uh, Satanists on Satanic Cinema, a sort of riff track about uh, Blue Velvet. Yeah, which was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a whole lot of fucking fun talking with you and your brother uh, throughout the entire episode, and uh, I've talked about it on this show as well, so I really won't go into depth, but uh, if you are a fan of humor and you like Blue Velvet and you like or detest the Ingram Brothers, you must listen to it, because it's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. And just don't get it on iTunes, because they're fucking changing the goddamn prices every two days. Drive me nuts. I, I, I bought it seven ninety nine, and then it went down to one ninety nine, and then it went back up to... Three ninety nine is like bargain bin. it's ridiculous. Yeah, but it, it is out there, and there's some good reasons to get it. So aside from the humor, so uh, you know, look it up. And I mean, just you know, Matt's personality is is really great. Um, so Deep Six Radio carries through uh, that, that sort of spirit, and this new iteration of it, I I know, is going to be uh, amazing. And just you know, the short time that we've been talking, uh, your uh, your back and forth is really fun. So. Uh, I think it's going to be an amazing addition to Radio Free Satan. I'm looking forward to it, gentlemen. Um, me as well. When you said Matt's personality, are you calling me retarded? Um, do you have a brick, Andy? <laughs> I have several. I have a house full of them. Throw <laughs> <laughs> one now! Pop smoke, run! No, of course not. No, no, no. It, it's good stuff. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Audience out there, if you have time in your day to listen to something other than Nine Cents... <laughs> I suggest you check out the new Deep Six Radio at the end of November as it's going to be released. It'll be a great welcoming for the Americans who celebrate Thanksgiving and for the rest of the world who laughs at Americans for celebrating Thanksgiving. I'm also going to stick to you on email uh, a track called Hunt With Desire. This is a track uh, by Million Empire, which I play on and Andy's touting as his own. Uh, Bricks are coming as you speak. (laughs) Duck! And with the miracle of editing, here it is, Million Empire, Hunt with Desire.
Well, until we can chat again, gentlemen, uh, and I do want to do some crossover fun, but uh, until we can chat again, hell, Satan. Hell, Satan. Thanks for the talk. Thanks for your time. And that's going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know if there's any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. The holidays are rapidly approaching and Nine Cents has provided. From Asp Apparel's official Nine Cents clothing and accessories found at AspApparel.com, of which we've added some new pieces, so check it out. To my children's book, How Crow Got a Scareback, found at crow.adampcampbell.com. And my new project, Nine Cents Presents Satanists on Satanic Cinema. We've got two episodes out, Blue Velvet and The Ninth Gate. They're both fantastic. You can find them at satanistsonsatanicinema.com. What could be better than the holidays with nine cents? You can visit Satan Nest, <clears throat> Nest? No, Satan Net, Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, or MySpace for nine cents, 
and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us at any of those outlets as well. You can subscribe to 9 Cents via iTunes by searching 9 Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com, and if you would like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, the source for online satanic media. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for joining me every week. I love having you. The audience is getting bigger. I'm getting more and more correspondence every day. You guys are amazing. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. And... As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, don't forget it, wait for it, Hail Satan!